Welcome to the Restless Midlifer podcast, helping you get life back on your terms and recapture that spirit of adventure. Welcome to episode 50 of the Restless Midlifer podcast. Now, this is a bonus episode, and it's another interview with friend and writer Richard Dider, and the rhyme is intended there. Um, R- Richard is a really experienced writer who now works with other writers to facilitate their own writing so they can be more effective, productive, and efficient in that, and he uses what's called clean language. Now, we get into what that is and how that's relevant to you, the audience, but I think it's a really useful because we do talk through a tool um, consisting of a series of clean questions that can be used at times when you know when your thinking is stuck or you are finding yourself falling into repetitive thinking rumination or even same old same old when you're just trying to find something different to work around a goal or work towards something it's a real good way of jarring you out of that state and into new ways of things to get creative come up with new actions new ideas and to move you forward so stick with this because it's a great little interview and we we practice the tool as well just to give you an illustration um, of how effective it is so on with the interview take care for now and yeah so i've been a a writer a freelance writer since the early 90s and my first experience was in advertising and when i was i was given this job of like how do you persuade people how do you like communicate stuff to people and i expected to be given like loads of advice or well this is what you should do and you know there's loads more than you were taught at school and actually there wasn't very much and i was sort of oh well you just want me to to write and i guess a lot of people are left like that like they're told to write something but they aren't given many tools beyond what they were taught at school Mm. yeah i think that's probably true for a lot of things but i think you're right in particular mentioned writing and thinking (laughs) i don't remember ever well i was told what to think but not how to think um what to write perhaps and not necessarily how to write and you develop that as you go but a lot of it's like fumbling around in the dark. I, 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 so I, could, I totally get that. So um, t- tell us a bit about your story, how you got into what you're doing now, and just talk us through that, that because it's an interesting how you got to writing and then how that's threaded through, well, y- your life up to now. Yeah, the, up to now and my restless midlife, uh, I should say I'm in my early 50s. Uh, and I started off in advertising and sort of all bushy-eyed, bright-eyed, yeah, this will be great. And there were some parts of writing and advertising I found very easy. And then there were other bits where I seemed to do exactly the same thing as I'd done, but somehow the writing didn't come out very well or people weren't very pleased or it didn't work as well with the target audiences. So I decided to really focus on that. That was going to be my thing and I was going to be the big writer. And I worked away for years on that Um, and it is jolly difficult that there aren't (laughs) and certainly at the moment there aren't that many shortcuts to trying to write well Um, you've got to be very aware of the target audience and what they might be feeling and sort of over the years I have I suppose grown more attached to, to the idea that I need to be thinking about my audience and and sort of fitting with their area of attention and I've also become more disillusioned with quite a lot of sort of information producers where information is being churned out and it seems to me it's wasting the time of readers because it's not adding much value to them 
and then it's not getting read and that's wasting the time of the writers mm. so something at my midlife stage i would say is i don't like wastage and there is an awful lot of wastage when yeah. it comes to creating information and reading information <laughs> do you know i'm chuckling away because um i, I totally get it and i think that, that this is one of the things that you know we're, we're talking at two we're going to be talking and sort of i guess from two points of view is one is your own story but also, and that perspective as a midlifer and how that's changed, but also how what you do can help us think more clearly in terms of the self-coaching approach, which is particularly what I'm, you know, we're going to talk about a little technique that, that you that you want to share with the audience in due course. But isn't it, isn't it funny? Are you finding that perhaps, it, and this is probably a, this is a leading question, Your Honour, but as you get into midlife, that awareness that, you know, time is, you know, I've frittered a fair, fair bit away in my time. Um, and I want to be more direct, more focused. I want what I do, what I write, what I read, what I spend time with to count more. Is that is that where that's coming from? I, I realise that's a leading question, but uh, is that what do you think is motivating it? I think a lot of the motivation is a dislike of waste. And by the time I've got to midlife, I know how much time I've sort of wasted. And I'm thinking of that novel that I've spent ages on and, you know, I was quite pleased with when I produced it. Uh, but uh, it, it wasn't good enough to get a, a big name publisher and it sort of fizzled out. And then some of the other things I tried, which didn't work out. Uh, and, yeah, I think the, the I'm certainly motivated to avoid waste. Hmm. Yeah. So before we sort of press record on the on the um, well, press record on this, um, you mentioned something about you circling back um, to to follow your curiosities. Um, so how did what were those curiosities, and what is it? What sort of pathway did you get? It was a bit of a winding path into making money. Talk talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind, just to, to give an idea of your, your journey as a midlifer. Sure. So thinking back to that original time when I was in advertising and it was like, OK, so where's, you know, where the, the where's the manual? Where's the <laughs> the magic formula for writing really well that's that's going to sell lots of stuff or, or just make a difference and not get wasted? And then finding that there really wasn't one uh, and then becoming a professional writer who gets paid. So I was just busy doing the work and I didn't have too much time to think about systems that might be at a meta level that helped me to uh, work more efficiently. And then I had family responsibilities, which meant that I took a step back from lots and lots of writing, which is quite an exhausting thing and quite overwhelming sometimes when you've got to write a lot of information uh, for people who are paying you and they expect really good stuff. And that time helped me to, to get a, a broader perspective and think, well, yeah, they, you know, when I when I think about it, there are certain patterns and there are certain ways of doing things. Uh, so one of the most the biggest breakthroughs, I guess, as I progressed through through my life was coming across clean language. Mm. Uh, clean language is a way of thinking about things, uh, exploring things in deeper ways. And it, it immediately struck me that it could be related to writing and helping people to develop their ideas and to, to, to write more interesting stuff. And 
really since over the last few years, I would say that that has been a very intense source of curiosity for me. It's like, well, how do I harness this, these amazing ideas of clean language, which were invented by David Grove and, and developed by others, um, Caitlin Walker, Marin Way, uh, Matthew Hudson, I could name lots of names, I appreciate them all. And they, they came up with their ideas and I'm not sure they were particularly related to writing because obviously that's, that's where I'm coming from. And then I'm trying to connect all that and connect it back into writing and thinking, well, how could that make a difference? How could this sort of clean ideas really help me? Yeah. And I, I think this is where, you know, we've had lots of conversations over over the years now, haven't we? And one of the, the, the thing that hooks me in terms of interest is, as a coach, as somebody who works with people and, and self-coaches, um, it's how do we get out of the ways of thinking that perhaps are that might be blocks that might be you know the usual and we and to maybe just step into trying to generate new ways of thinking to then open us up to perhaps new ideas new new directions new action and also my own experience with writing through reflective practice you know having done the masters in the coaching mentoring but you know journaling that kind of thing just the power of getting stuff out but getting stuff out in a way you know, there is the, the I often talk about, you know, what's on your mind, how's your mind, let's get it out there, let's just dump it down so you can start to see it and organise. Um, but there's also the power of doing that reflection in thinking, but also writing or thinking through your writing, that journaling process, in response to a provocative or a, provocative, you know, a powerful question or a simple question. And this clean, the idea of clean language is where it kind of strips back a lot of that. Before we go on, actually, do you want to just describe what we mean by clean language or what you mean by clean language? Because I, I think we're not just talking about not swearing here. <laughs> you know, we're talking about a quite a. There's a real philosophy behind this. Yeah, absolutely. There's a big philosophy, and when David Grove invented clean language, he was reacting against unclean language, or and he he was a counselling uh, psychotherapist. And he studied the way that counsellors and psychotherapists were talking with clients. And he realised that they were projecting quite a few of their own ideas and having leading questions that could make people react in a certain way. And, for example, quite often the helping professions would be, oh, we need to solve a problem, we need to fix something. So if someone says, well, I'm, I'm feeling anxious at the moment, like the, the presupposition might be, gosh, we've got to fix anxiety. You know, we've got anxiety disorder. How do we go about fixing that? And part of the, the idea of clean was, well, let's not rush in to try and fix something. In fact, maybe we don't have to fix anything or I don't know, what does the, what does the client want? And the by stripping back the language uh, and and using really quite simple questions uh, it became possible to stop imposing as much on the client and really the client could be in their own space and interacting with their own information and the the, the counselor or facilitator would sort of be a step backwards and just to visualize that if if, if you can think of of the, the client who's wanting to explore stuff and you think of this stuff sort of is around them and then if you think of a box around that then 
where the facilitator is who's asking the clean questions, the facilitator is outside the box. And literally, when David Grove was working with some people, he would have the person in a room and they would be working through their stuff. And then they would and David Grove would be standing outside the door. Uh, and then when the, the client had, had come to the end of working through a particular question, they could knock on the knock on the door and David Grove would write the next question down, slip it underneath the door and they would work on the next question. So that was the idea of sort of clean with with the facilitator or counsel or, or helping person really being the other side of the door and leaving the client space to think about their own stuff, mm. but in a guided way, sort of responding to the questions that were being put to them. Yeah. And that, that, that's, it's, it's, it's a counterintuitive thing in a way, but I, I guess many of us can relate to that in that how often have we had a conversation, never mind with a therapist, of course, or whatever, but with just somebody where we're talking and somebody says something back and clearly they're creating their own reality around what you've just said to them. I'm trying, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. And it may just be slightly different, but it's not what you meant. And I think that can be, in a conversation, it's free-flowing as a friend and what have you, you know, you, that happens, doesn't it? But when we're in that kind of relationship, whether it's therapeutic or coaching, um, that clean, that, that non-contamination is really important because we need to value that person's thinking. And I love that premise. One of the things that I learned that I had to really deal with or develop um was the ability to shut the f up as a coach mm -hmm. and 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 you know you feel like you want to jump in you want to help you want to guide you can see the answer but actually the thing i learned was the power of somebody to work through something themselves and i think that's one of the the key core philosophies of coaching you know at, at its essence is how do you help somebody gain that insight themselves um I, I was mentioned off off record there when a friend of mine joe um joe murray um said once we were talking about caution he said and he said it tongue-in-cheek but i think there was an underlying good point here that you could talk to a lamppost and if you talked for long enough you'd come away feeling better or feeling having clearer thoughts and i like that because the idea is there is a power in us self-organizing as we articulate which is where you know just talking out loud or writing it down can be so powerful but then i guess the skill or the development is how can you use that guide in a clean way to help somebody elicit that further insight, you know, that, that the question of the coach or the self-questioning. And that's what I'm interested in, you know, in terms of how can we use this as an individual if we're, you know, you could be working with a coach or a therapist, but you could also be just doing this on your own, couldn't you? You know, with some of those. That's right, Dave, that's right. And I think that's a, that's a great example of like talking to a lamppost would probably make you feel better. Um, <laughs> There is, there is a danger that you could just end up repeating the same stuff yeah. over and over again, and you might not get any deeper. There might not be any new information that's emerging. Uh, so I think that's where the clean language and, and the work of David Grove comes in as, as it's, it is helping people to move in some way, I suppose. Um, but, but at least it's, it's encouraging to, to find some information that hadn't already come out. And it's that new information which is more likely to, I don't know, trigger a change, or maybe it wouldn't trigger a change. Maybe it would just make people think in a new perspective. Uh, but, yeah, so it's like having questions that get people a bit deeper. And, yeah. and if you like, that's what David Grove was doing when he was the other side of the door, pushing questions through. 
he was he was intervening in some way, although in a very clean way. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And and we've got an example that um, or, or a set of questions that we're, we're going to share. We will include these in the show notes. Um, but I think this is this is the this is the key thing because if I'm approaching a, an issue or a challenge, um, and you know I want to achieve a particular goal, I potentially have to rely on past experience or what I know about it. it might be you know getting fit, losing weight, changing my job, um, you know a career path shift, you know those kinds of things. But if if I can just introduce some new provoca- provocation or new stimulus into that, it might just shift that thinking across into just a slightly different nuanced way. It doesn't have to be dramatically different, does it? It could be just nuanced enough that it goes, ah, that's the thing or that's the one thing that would really help. And for me, that sprout sweating is all about identifying the sprouts with the most clout, the one thing that, you know, if we can just identify the one thing that could probably have the most impact, perhaps that's lurking in those those areas that we don't necessarily go to because we we resort to usual thinking. And that's what I'm really interested in this because, you know, for those of us listening, if we're trying to achieve something, how many times have you tried to achieve it in the past? You know, we've all had that. Um, had some success, maybe stepped back a bit, slid back, or, you know, there's, there's lots of different ways here, but and we can get frustrated. And part of that is how do we just challenge the thinking to help us just shift a little bit. So I love that. So, um, it's probably a good time to maybe try the exercise then, Richard. I'm going to be the guinea pig on this. <laughs> um, on. Yeah. So just, okay, just... So let me just explain yeah. the exercise that we've got. Yeah. Uh, so there are some very simple, clean-ish questions. Uh, they're, they're not exactly the classic clean questions, um, but they are nevertheless, they're, they're, they don't, they're not trying to impose anything on people. And the mark of a really good clean question is that you can you can ask the same question to lots of different people in lots of different circumstances, and each person will interpret it in their own way and get something out of it. And when you put the sequences of clean questions together, then people can make their own little journeys wherever they start from. Uh, who knows where they're going to end up? Uh, but the point is that, that, that the questions can work for each person wherever they are. And that's only possible because the questions are very clean. They are, you know, they don't have too much to them. And I think one of the things David Grove said was that, you know, life is really complex. So you need very simple questions. I love that. And that, that that's very much the Sprout Sweater philosophy uh, that underlies it. You're already busy enough. You've already got a lot on your mind. What one or two things can we do that might just shift that needle in the direction you want? Or in this case, what one or two questions might just provoke something different? I love that. So, just to just to kind of put it in the context of your work, this this exercise is it the three minute mastermind you you call it, and it's within a suite of of an app that you're developing. Is that right? Just before we kind of get into the exercise. Yeah, this particular set of questions is called three minute mastermind, and it's not my own set of questions. So, I'd like to acknowledge those who did come up with it, who I believe include Caitlin Walker, Marion Way, and I took it from Sharon Small. Uh, so if they are listening, then I want to acknowledge them. And of course, the questions are based on on David Grove's work um, as the inventor of clean language. And it is the, the when you listen, when you first hear the questions, you think, well, well there's nothing to them. You know, yeah. you know, well, what's all that about? But that's the whole point that you, you just want very simple questions that can link together in all sorts of ways. 
quick reminder to join the fledgling Restless Midlifer community and to receive early access to the discounted Readventure Program Academy and to sign up to the free regular updates, tips, tools, and strategies to help you regroup, reshape, and redesign your own midlife adventure. Head over to therestlessmidlifer.com. Yeah, cool. Thanks for that. And, and just to put it in the context of the exercise, what I am... Um, for those who've listened for a few weeks, you know that I'm working on my interim goal, you know, in that direction of travel to be fitter at 66 than I was at 45 when Rosie was born. Um, and my interim goal is to is Operation DMOOB, to just lose a bit of weight, hopefully firm, tone up a bit, that kind of thing. Um, go back to previous episodes. I'll put the, the episode numbers in the show notes if you want to listen to the, the plan that I've got, the 1-3. I'm calling it the one three nine plan now, the one cabbage, the goal the three slices of three areas and the nine sprout sized actions, habits or routines or mini goals that I'm trying to achieve. And that I want to pick really just for this, the area of rest because I've got eat, move and rest uh, as my slices of the cabbage to achieve that. The, the philosophy being that if I rest and recharge the battery more, I'll have more in the tank for motivation, for coping, that kind of thing. So one area is, and I'm, it's always a work in progress, but uh, it comes and goes, is my improving my sleep. So can we use that as my topic for these questions? And as I said, yeah, that's great. So we'll use that topic, and I'll ask you the questions, yeah. and then we can pop around, and I'll have a completely different topic, and you ask me exactly the same. <laughs> right, all right, okay, good, cool. Those right. questions should still work. And this right. is the thing. It, this is the test, everybody. You know, if the, <laughs> if the same questions work in, in our two different scenarios, they the same questions could work in whatever scenarios you're facing as well. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. Okay. Okie dokie. Okay. So, Dave, shall I ask you the questions then? Yeah. So, what would you like to have happen? I'd like to tweak up and improve my sleep quality so that I get more rested through the night. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what needs to happen for that to happen? <clears throat> I think one of the key areas is what I do before the, the settling down for sleep, the pre the pre sleep routines, if you like. Um I need to tidy them up. Life's full on. Um and what I'm finding I think is that um you know, I tend to have tea a bit later on, you know later on in the evening eating a bit later um you know sometimes it's easy to crack open a bottle of beer and you know maybe that leads to two or three and then sleep isn't quite as restful so i think that's the area that i need to to tackle and and, and improve on you know reduce the bring back the, the the timing of the tea the the evening meal and cut down or cut out the the uh, alcohol okay so cut out the, the alcohol bring back the timing of the tea and is there anything else that needs to happen? Yeah, I think in order to do that, I think what I need to do is is tighten up on the plan, like just meal planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, deciding, you know, like there are some days that are that are more hectic than others. You know, they're lined up for that way because we've got to take Rosie for swimming and might have uh, an evening. Uh, meeting or something to deliver um so identifying those in advance and then giving ourselves a fighting chance to have uh you know a simple easy or pre-prepared even in a slow cooker meal rather than mm-hmm. perhaps going for the default of let's just lay it let's just get a takeaway um yeah. you know, that, that whole thing so i think that's getting getting better at that 
um, organized. And that probably tends to work best by taking some time on a Sunday to, to, to think ahead for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so getting better at meal planning, yeah. taking some time on a Sunday. And can you? Yeah, yeah, there's no there's no problem with that in in terms of because we do sort of start to, you know, you do your life admin for the week ahead with, you know, uh Rosie's uniform, you know, that, that that kind of thing, you know, what 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 do we need for the week ahead? Am I aware that kind of thing? So we tend to have a uh, an hour or two where we do do that kind of life admin stuff. Um and it the meals we give it some passing thought, you know, more towards uh lunches, you know, um what might we need to take for lunches if if like Leslie's a court, that kind of thing. Um, but maybe just firming up the agenda. This sounds dead formal, but, you know, I'm not saying we create an agenda on it, but, like, just have that, yeah, what are we going to do for teas? used to have mm-hmm. a little um, a little magnetic thing that stick on the fridge and we'd sort of roughly plan out what we'd have, and that worked quite well, and we, we let that drop. We've moved house, and I don't even know where that thing is, but that principle of just thinking about Mondays is going to be, yeah, that's okay, that's not a bad day. Tuesday, late one, what could we do for that day? So that Sunday is is definitely doable, and as long as we factor yeah. that in, we can do it. Okay. And then what happens? Well, if we get that right, then, you know, we're going to have less takeaways. Um we will not not that we have you know loads, but you know in terms of sleep, you know it's easy to have a takeaway. You always eat more on a takeaway than you go with, to bed with a full stomach, that kind of thing. So less of that, and also factoring in you know a, a cup of tea on a night, caffeine free tea rather than you know a bottle, you know um, or a Bexir or something, just just something to have a social drink, you know uh, something to to drink. Um, just start to feel better, and then be tuned into that more relaxed, restful sleep. There's nothing better than getting into bed feeling not full, not stuffed, just relaxed, knowing that, yeah, I'm set up for a restful night's sleep. Great. Fantastic. So that brings us to the end of the set of questions. Okay, cool. So I, mean, I know we're going to reverse things a little bit here and turn the tables on you, you Richard, but what's interesting is that, you know, I would work through that. And I've done this. It's funny because I've done this over the last few weeks as I've looked at my 139 plan and just thought through, well, I'll do this, I'll do that. But the the stimulus of having a question asked just puts it in a slightly different frame. Just mm. this my little observation instantly from that is that I've just thought, actually, you know, I, I was actually thinking and I didn't articulate it. But um, in order to do Sunday, we need to get the shopping list sorted for a Saturday. So there's like mm. knock-on effects. So it's interesting how that develops as you as you work through those questions. So really useful. Thank you. Great. Okay. Well, let's just swap. And if you'd like to ask me exactly the same questions, right. completely different topic, and we'll see how they work for me. Okay. So what would you like to have happen? Yeah. So what I'd like to have happen is I would like to link up with people who are more uh, or who are sort of ready to try new ways of thinking and writing. And I'm guessing that does come back from the fact that, you know, I, 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 when, as a writer, I was very solitary. 
um, and then sort of being a house parent as well, that, that's relatively solitary. And one of the things I'm really looking to do now is to work with others more and to enjoy doing that and to, to find ways of working with others. So, yeah, what I'd like to do is, is link up with other people who are open to, to trying these novel techniques. And what needs to happen for that to happen? So to link up with others, I suppose I've got to um, make myself available in some way or let people know that I'm interested in linking up um, or indeed look for uh, opportunities where there are already groups, but where you know this, this particular thing that I'm interested in and trying to develop uh, would fit in. And is there anything else that needs to happen? Yeah, gosh, yeah. So, so that takes me beyond the easy answer. And is there anything else that needs to happen? I suppose the other thing that needs to happen is that I'm, I ought to be clear about, about who I am looking for, who I'm not looking for, as <laughs> it were, to link up with. Um, and I, I suppose that's something that I want to be with others, but not that doesn't mean I want to be with everyone. Uh, you know, there are particular um, people. So I, I suppose, yeah, I mean, people who are sort of interested in this idea of clean um, and, you know, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, if, it's, if it strikes someone as pretty cool that you can have these these questions that work in all sorts of different contexts, and they're interested in, oh, yeah, well, how could that affect my writing? You know, that's the sort of person I think that I would want to, to link up with. And can you? Yeah, so can I link up with people? And uh, I think I can if I put myself out there a bit more and talk a bit more about what I'm doing. Um, and I guess that's one of the reasons why I am here talking with you, Dave. So that is that is something I can do. And then what happens? So maybe there is someone or more than one person listening to this who thinks, yeah, well, that would be cool. Uh, and then somehow we get in touch. Um, and I mean, I've started a, a, a meetup group that's online. Uh, so we're looking at in-person meetups in the northeast of England uh, and where people can well, I would say collaborate. It's more co-labor. That's what we're interested in. So just sort of doing your own stuff, but in the context of other people. Um, and I think that will happen. I, th I am I am enthusiastic about that. So the group that I've started uh, meets on a Saturday and we're already getting people you know, who, who are interested in writing and clean and just trying something different and maybe avoiding blocks, some of the writing blocks. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think it, it can happen. And if it's got legs, it will run further. And that will be an exciting thing. Okay, and that's the end of the questions. That is, that is the end of the questions. And thank you very much for that. And yeah, it was interesting that I hadn't, even though I had sort of thought what I might say, when you actually ask the questions, then a bit more emerged than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, and as a, just a reminder, listen. So uh, the, these questions will be in the show notes, plus with links to Richard. And, you know, if you want to get in touch um, and to your work. One of the things I was going to ask about these questions, just out of curiosity, was that there's five there, and I know it's built within this this three minute mastermind. I think is the the, the frame, isn't it, for this exercise? Yeah. Is the flexibility in terms of it? The, the second question 
and what needs to happen for that to happen? Is there flexibility within this to ask that again? Because one of the things I noticed, to be fair, the and is there anything else that needs to happen was a, provoked more. But if you get something that somebody says, well, I need to do this and I'll, I'll do that, and what needs to happen for that to happen is a useful question to get them to think a bit deeper even more. Does Is that any thoughts on that? Or is it a process that you they recommend sticking to as those five questions? I guess that particular process is the three minute mastermind. And yeah. I think you were more than three minutes, Dave. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I guess I was more than three minutes as well. But just sort of being aware that we we want to be efficient in thinking and all the rest of it. So for this particular question set or, you know, or sequence of questions, probably we wouldn't try and get too deep uh, and we wouldn't try and get too many sort of follow ups. Uh, I mean, there. I, I guess it, it comes to a broader question of are we are we sort of al allowing a lot of flexibility, or are we trying to stick within constraints? And there is something to be said for constraints. Let me just put it out there that that if you have a constrained number of questions and indeed a constrained amount of time, then people have to be creative within that. And actually, constraints force creativity. Like if you don't have any constraints, you don't have to be creative. Uh, so sometimes it's actually good to have constraints. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's certainly something that I find is useful. Um, that If you have too much choice or too many options, it can be difficult to, to decide even, never mind be creative. But if you can just focus down, well, if this is the case, this is the case, you have some guardrails, you can then allow yourself to sort of be more creative within that. So I totally get that. So in terms of this as an exercise, then what we're saying, suggesting is that somebody could potentially, you know, as part, if they're just having some time and space, create some time for them. To, this is something that they could do in a written form or, or talk through or have partner friend to ask the questions back of them um is that yeah absolutely and i mean i do practices with people and where and in, in fact i i work with someone and we ask each other the clean questions right and what i'm finding is that uh, i'm doing thinking of um uh, i i work with an assistant and he in some ways is a brilliant coach for me and the reason he's a brilliant coach is I tell him what questions to ask and then he asks me. So potentially, if I've got an issue, I might say, well, can you run through the three minute mastermind with me? And I will then tell him the things, uh, whatever it is that's on my mind. Uh, and he's done a valuable service for me. Those questions might be just the ones that I need and it will keep me within a frame, within a constraint. And he doesn't have to have any expensive coaching or training or anything like that. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, um, one of the things I was finding myself doing was nodding along, you know, being that encouragement. And potentially the coach bit of me was saying, oh, I could ask this and I could ask that. And part of it is to to just back off and just stick to the questions and trust the process. Mm. Yeah, it's trust the process. That's, that's something that we often say. And, and if you do trust the process, then you don't need to pay an expensive facilitator to run through them. You could give the questions, as I say, to a friend or a colleague, someone that, that, that needs no training. Yeah. And, you know, it's something to try. It's something, you know, um, that if, if listeners out there just think, you know, there is something that I'm working on. I, I, I'm getting in a bit of a rut with the thinking that I'm doing. 
pick up those questions, ask them of yourself, get somebody to ask them of you, you know, ask them in written form if that's the case, and just see where it takes you. I mean, this is part of the Restless Midlife Resource, so just injecting a bit of experimentation and adventure into it. Let's try this, see what works. And you never know, do you? And even just from that conversation, the two examples, um, I knew I was going to say sleep, and I thought, well, I know there's roughly the areas that I want to talk about, but even so... Some, you know, a couple of things came out there about prepping on a Sunday and then thinking about, I didn't articulate it, but I thought about, I need to sort, need to get better at the shopping list so the meal plan is ready for, you know, that kind of thing. So it does generate something that perhaps, you know, your automatic thinking or your automatic default thinking doesn't give you the luxury or the space to do. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And it's all about disrupting the default thinking. And I mean, one of just speaking as a restless midlifer, I mean, you know, there are certain things that maybe I dwell on a bit on, oh, you know, why did I do that? Or, you know, it got to that stage of life. Uh, And one of the the things that is I do find quite freeing about this is I think, oh, actually, I'm going to run a process on that. Like I'm going to run a clean sequence or I'm going to ask myself those questions. And then when I've done it, I'm like, well, well, there we are. I've, I've sort of sorted it or something. And it, but it's a more efficient way of dealing with something than just the sort of endlessly r- ruminating on it. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm a great ruminator, but it, you know, it is a it is a bit of a temptation. And I think that this is helpful in being able to 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 have that self discipline. Say, well, actually, I'm not helping myself by ruminating on that stuff. You know, if I if it's if it's bothering me, I'm going to run. A, I'm going to ask these questions and see where I get to, and I'll get something new out. But just ruminating, you might just go round and round in circles and really not get anything new out. Uh, yeah, actually, I think that's a really good point because how often do we get into? It's not just the loops of the same thinking and the same planning and the same actions. It's potentially berating yourself, regret, and you get tied up in the rumination aspect of it, rerunning things that have happened that you can't change. Um, and I like when you said, I'll just run the process. It's almost, it, it's like that, you know, I'll just put that little routine. I'll just run the process. It kind of helps you park the emotional side for now, run the process and see what comes out. And it is short enough to try it. And a mini experiment, a mini what process, isn't it? Uh, so I love that. I love that uh, approach. That, that's um, something, I, you know, from our conversation, I'm going to keep these questions to hand for myself as well. So thank yeah, you. That's great. Cool. Well, uh, it's it's been a great conversation. We've we've kind of talked a bit about your life and then your work. And I love that. I love this area because for me, it is about how do we challenge our thinking? How do we challenge the default? Get out of our own ways and use things like questions. I think questions are so powerful, but it is important to keep them clean, isn't it? To to sort of strip out our, you know, the preconceptions, our own interpretations, particularly as a coach, but even in our own minds, I think that's really useful. So thank you for your. For your time on that. It is a useful technique, and as I suppose I should just mention uh, that you, we don't use clean questions all the time. I mean, there are lots of times where I don't use clean questions. Uh, you know, uh, we don't want to get over enthusiastic, yeah. if you like. I mean, there are times, for example, when I am, you know, in a management position, then I might be telling people to do things, and I don't <laughs> use clean questions. Then I, I tell them what I want them yeah. to do. Uh, so I'm not saying it is for everything. And I'm not saying it's for all times, but it is really useful when you've got something that you need to think about or when you want to write. Uh, and I think this is an underexploited, underutilized tool for people who have to write. And so that is particularly where I'm 
yeah. going for, you know, where I've got, I think, something to add from the years, the decades, gosh, of experience in writing. Um, you know, it's it could be very exciting and it could be a sort of a niche application of, of something that, that, that will really make a difference. Yeah, and I can definitely see that it applies. I mean, from you know, from, a, from my perspective of that thinking, coaching, but also writing as a writer, um, the, these things can be really useful. I think you're right. It's you know, they're, they're useful techniques, processes, things we can run, tools in the kit um, for appropriate. But it adds to that, doesn't it? Because you know, we need a range of things in life to approach things, and, and often we resort. You know, if you have the old cliche, if you have a hammer, everything's a nail. We need we need to just broaden that out, and these are tools and approaches that can really help us do that. So, thank you for your time, uh, Richard. It's been great, and and just to give a shout out to to what you know what you're currently doing and where people can get a hold of you. Um, what is, you, you mentioned the or I mentioned the app, and then you talked a little bit about it, the app and your writing your work with writers. Tell us a little bit more about that and where people can find out and get in touch with you. Yeah, so I've just set up a meetup group on meetup.com and if you look up that I think if you look under Richard Dieter you might find it d-y-t-e-r or it is currently called non-fiction writers who create content using clean sequences who knows I might get fed up with that title and change it but it will be something along those lines uh, and it is um, a group online people can come along uh, we will work through these types of clean questions that help develop our thinking and help sort of come up with well, what would be a good subheading for something we're trying to write. And then how can we populate that 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 subheading, that section, uh, you know, working through it. And I'm finding it really useful. I say, even though I've, I mean, I've been writing for years, but I am finding it useful as a as a new and and different technique so that would be my first port of call i think for people at meetup.com group great and uh, we'll put that link if um if you could share that with me richard at some point we'll put that link into the show notes uh, for anybody and um again once again thank you for your time richard's been great and I've, I've wanted to explore this we've had conversations over the last few years and i've seen you develop in this fascination and this interest particularly in this and i've wanted to explore this from the perspective that we've discussed today and, and your passion is the writing side so hopefully if there's somebody out there who is wanting to explore that then that would be magic for them to to get in touch um, from selfishly speaking and hopefully the audience for those who are just looking to make some tweaks and changes or reclaim that sense of adventure i think some really useful um, thoughts and tools in there and i love the the three minute mastermind as an approach as well so thank you thank you for trying it out on me and me allowing me to try it out on you as an example um, so thank you very much richard Thank you for listening. You will find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at restlessmidlifer.com. And why not spread the word? If you know a fellow Restless Midlifer, share the show and the links. And if you haven't already, subscribe to it in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing, if you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting restlessmidlifer.com forward slash review. It would mean a lot. And I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to my production assistant, Karen North of North VA, and for the music, which is called Silver Star, by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers. Check out musicformakers.com. Take care for now. And don't forget, you really can live a less stressful, much healthier and more meaningful midlife. Gory Adventure.